I forgot you were into dubstep. Um, I don't, I only have one friend that's really into dubstep, but um, I know my other friends are like into the sad boy genre, Elenium. Um, Is that what they call it? I don't know. I, I just say the sad boy genre because it's like literally all about someone being broken up with, missing your ex, just all that sad stuff. I'm like, I just need something that I can groove to. Before we get into the episode, if you guys can please smash that like button and subscribe to Best Candy Ever's channel, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated and would really help support me and Best Candy Ever. Thank you so much, guys. Candy fam, what is up? Welcome to this very special episode of Best Candy Ever. Today, I have a phenomenal guest on the podcast. She slays Instagram with her bomb makeup looks, has the cutest and most hilarious reels I've seen, and is just uh, an inspiring creator. So without further ado, please welcome my friend Steph, aka Oh My God Steph. So my God Steph. Yeah, it's okay. I forgot your name during the other thing that we had. So that's, that's, e- we call it even now. <laughs> yeah, now, now we're even. I just forgot the Z in front of your user, Dave. <laughs> All good, girl. What's going on? I haven't seen you since our Asian name game, our live that we did on Instagram recently. Yeah, I've been good. Um, I don't think that was, that was just a week ago, right? Honestly, nothing's happened. I just dog sat last weekend, took a break from creating and yeah, I've pretty much just been chilling, working, lots of work. Oh, dude, I totally feel you on that. I feel like chilling is super important to reset your brain after creating because I feel like creating is work and you have to really think about what you're doing and it's a total process. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Uh, So before before we get started, can you give us a little rundown on who you are, how long you've been raving, um, why you do this, why you make the content that you do create? Sure. All right. So I first started raving in 2012. And honestly, I didn't think I would really get into it. But I really I love the music. It's funny because I don't rave with any of the people that brought me to that event anymore but that's where I met my rave fam and I still rave with them so it's a really that that alone is a really cool story we've known each other for eight years and yeah I mean I also didn't start dressing up until maybe 2014 I I don't remember when I started dressing up I would just sort of go and do my own thing but I didn't take it like see I wouldn't say seriously I didn't I wouldn't have fun with the way I dress until then so um I mean I just love dressing up it makes raving more interesting I feel like because I get to be someone that I'm normally not not that I'm saying that I'm fake at raves (laughs) I'm just saying like I could just be free I could be myself a different side of me comes out like my coworkers know I rave and they're like wow you don't seem like the type of person to rave at all because I guess I just show like a different professional side of me but um yeah it's been a been a long road to where I came f- to like now. <laughs> what makes you say that? Um, I would say I didn't really care about, I don't call myself an influencer. I just do what I do because I like it. <laughs> right. Influencer, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, we all, we all like have the different stages of raving where first we like just are just party but then I really got into the scene and I became a candy kid um you could (gasps) yeah I you could see a ton of like my candy and stuff on my Instagram page I used to make so much candy and I wish I had the cups with me they're in the other room but I would make like giant cups with pearlers 3d cups and I'd just be handing them out like candy out of (laughs) you're gonna have to grab them later now that you say that you're a candy kid. Cause I didn't know that. 
Yeah. So, I, well, I saved some of my pieces, but I actually threw out a lot of my candy. <gasps> you know, you throw them away? Yeah. Well, I saved, I saved like my favorite ones that I remember the stories for each of them. But um, yeah, I, like, cause you get like random pieces of candy that just say like, fuck penis. Like, I don't want to keep those. Girl, that's when you cut them up and reconstruct them and use them and recycle those pony beads. I know, but like, like I'm just at that stage of my life where I don't have time to make candy at all. And I just don't wear it as much because I, I flow with a fiber optic whip. So if they get caught on my, yeah, they get caught on my candy and I've broken a lot of my candy doing that. So I've had to stop. I would, I would put candy in my bag actually, just so I can still trade, but it's still like not the same that I'm like, Oh wait, hold on. I have something for you. I have to get in my bag, put it on and then trade. And then when they give me the candy, I take it off and then put it in my bag. (laughs) Okay, I could see I could I could see why you do that from a functionality standpoint. I can see how it would get stuck in your candy because it gets stuck in my hair. So I, I could totally see that. But it's great that you still bring it with you to keep the player going. Yeah, I try. I mean, I I really miss trading candy, but I think like as the years went by, I noticed that a lot of people just stopped wearing candy and wouldn't want to trade with me. I even made a TikTok video about how like someone didn't want the candy I was trying to trade to them. And that's actually happened to me a couple times before. And I was really sad. And then they would give me a weird look like, um, why, why are you giving me this? Like, I don't want it. (laughs) Dude, that's so nuts. I can't believe that even happened to you. I remember that TikTok video, but for me, I'm just like, why? Because that was definitely pre COVID. So there wasn't, really any skepticism needed mm-hmm. unless that was recent I don't know how recent that was um I honestly don't remember when that was but I think it was it was someone someone's first event and I was like oh I want to give you like your first candy so something that you could remember me by <laughs> girl that's probably why though they probably don't even know what it is or they're probably like don't mm-hmm. take don't take things from strangers especially stuff called candy that's oh I, I bet you that's probably like their their thought process. If it was their I first know. rave, some people yeah. know. But I'm trying to spread the plur and teach them. Like I don't mind if like they don't know about it, but I mean they could just ask like, "What is it? What's it about?" But they just didn't even want it. They're like, "Oh, never mind. This this girl's a weirdo." <laughs> no, that is super strange. Especially whenever someone tries to give me something for free, I always take it. <laughs> strange. We're so bad. Like our parents would teach us to not take things from strangers. And now here we are just taking everything that we're given. Yeah. I've taken grapes from a stranger at EDC too, like actual food, but it's because I was asking him like where the grapes were at, where he got them. And he was like, here you go. And just poured me like half his little Tupperware full. So (laughs) yeah, Reavers are so bad at like regular social constructs like that or social norms like not taking stuff from strangers, but whatever, we're breaking all the norms. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that makes me so sad that you threw away those other candies, but do you, do you see yourself making candies like once festivals actually start happening or are you just going to kind of lay low and like focus on your like pixel whip? Um, so I still have candy that I've made in the past that I could still give out. So I still need to give those away. (laughs) So I'll probably take a hold on making more candy right now. And since my, since we're like sort of, um, taking stuff out of our apartment right now to make room for different stuff. Uh, We just don't have room for candy. Like I used to have bins filled with beads and when I was throwing them away, it's like, hundreds of dollars in the trash <laughs> it was really painful Boo. well yeah. that's okay I mean since you were or you are a candy kid at heart I think that you can still recreate a lot of the ones that you've made or mm-hmm. something similar to the ones that you've received but that's that's good to know I've I'm always like really happy when I find out someone is a candy kid 
it's always a surprise. I don't know why it's always a surprise because I feel like lots of candy kids either deck their whole social media out with all the candies mm-hmm. they've created or they're kind of like you or Kiana where it's like they used to make candy, but they were really passionate about it and made all these like really cool, intricate pieces. Yeah, I really miss it. But like, I think I find like my content creating a little bit more therapeutic now, actually, like it used to be candy. Now it's like me just doing makeup at my desk. And it's been calming actually during this whole COVID situation. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that because I feel like you took your passion from creating candy to now creating makeup. I feel like you just switched over to a completely different canvas in terms of art and making something. Yeah, I really enjoy it, honestly. Like I, like when COVID first started, I was like, I have no fucking idea what I'm going to do. Like raves are my hobbies, um, like listening to music, but like there's only so much I could do with listening to a live stream every weekend and just Mm -hmm. sitting there and not doing anything so um I decided to just pick up one of my palettes that like I never use and then just start creating and it's been it's been a wild ride like I remember when I first started um I think my first look was I think it was like a Tron look it was some robotic thing. And I was like, oh, I look sort of okay. So I think I'm going to just keep trying to do this. Really? So is that, that is that what kept pushing you to, to creating more of these intricate looks? Is that you just wanted to be better? Yeah, it was just something to do also. Like I used to re- really be passionate about art in high school, but I sort of got derailed from that when I couldn't go to art school for college because it was too expensive. Ah, oh, boo. Well, that's okay because you're still creating the art and I feel like you're really successful at it. Yeah, it's just a different kind of art, but it's it's nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, so... What what are some of your favorite makeup brands or palettes or products that you like to use for your looks? I used a lot of ColourPop and then I recently just got a new palette that I use for today's look. Um, it's called Cara Duo Beauty, I think, but um, I've never heard of them. And then I found a really good deal and it's super pigment- pigmented. You can't really tell because the lighting is off, but. No, I can see that yellow from here. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've definitely been spending way more money than I should be on makeup, but I threw out a bunch of the old ones that I haven't been using. So that's, that makes up for it. Dude, I get it. I get it. I used to work at Sephora and whenever I would get my paycheck, I would literally give it right back because there was always new (laughs) stuff coming out and we were the ones who had access to it first. So we were able to test it out and no, I get it. I feel like makeup is the one thing that I won't really cheap out on, especially because it's going on your face, but also not that price always indicates the quality, but usually you need, you have to pay a little, a little money to get like really great makeup that actually works and says what it's going to do, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And you, you do really great makeup. Like I, oh, I think like I followed you before I even talked to you and you, your makeup looks were always awesome. I was like, I wish I could be like her. Oh, you absolutely. I mean, I feel like you're better. Like the, the looks that you create, I'm just like, oh my God, I would never have the time to do that. Let alone a, like making a cut crease. I feel like a cut crease is like, I plan ahead to do that. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have like an hour or two beforehand. But a lot of the stuff that you do, I feel like it's very intricate, but it's also theatric, not all the time, but I feel like you definitely have that really like Instagram, MUA uh, (laughs) type of look, especially your rave looks. A lot of those looks I wouldn't do for a rave, which is interesting because I feel like yours are so rave related and it looks like something that you would see a girl with at a festival. Yeah, I, so I've been actually going to events here in SF and I've 
been trying to also do the same makeup looks that I just do at home. And I'm like, this is so much effort. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like, I think like some of the events I go to, they're brunch events. So I'd have to wake up at like 8 a.m. just to do my makeup for a four hour event. I'm like, do I really want to keep doing this when events start again? So that is my struggle right now. Right. Well, if you look at it this way, you do it to, you do it when you're at home mm-hmm. to create content. Why not do it when you're about to go to a festival, when you're going to create content there as well? I mean, I guess it depends too, if you're taking like travel into account and like wait times and lines and all that. But I mean, this is totally up to you. Not that I'm saying you should you do oh, what yeah. you want? <laughs> definitely. I, yeah, because definitely we, we do travel a lot for events and like, I don't know if I could bring all this stuff because it's like, at least at home, I have access to everything, but I have to really think about what brushes I'm going to pack, what makeup palettes I'm going to pack, and then worrying if my suitcase is going to crush my palette. That's a whole different story. Oh, here, here's a tip. Don't ever put any of your powder palettes in your suitcase just bring it on the plane carry it carry it because when you open your luggage it's going to be cracked that is going to break (laughs) yeah I've it hasn't happened to me but it's happened to an ex-coworker of mine and she told me from experience and I was just like okay mental note because she had gotten this new Anastasia highlighter palette and she told me like when she got to her destination it was completely ruined and she should have thought about it but if you think you know luggage for sure gets thrown around randomly and they don't handle that shit with care. So that's what I would suggest. Okay. That's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, can you tell us about how you come up with these looks? Because they're always, you make these beautiful paintings on your face and I'm always like, where, where does she get the inspiration or how do you even come up with it? Do you kind of think about it beforehand or is it one of those things where it just kind of comes to you as you create? So for some of them, I do look through Instagram for other makeup artists that have these looks up already, but I also try to find more inspo towards actual art. And I've been more leaning towards like the kawaii ones because most of them are just like outlines of things and it's not like full-on details so I try to mostly use those for inspo but I would say mostly Instagram Um, I sometimes look on Pinterest but then I can't give credit to artists on there because they don't usually Mm. post the names so yeah I would say just mostly Instagram but I don't usually plan what I do. When I go to my desk, I just scroll through my phone. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do today? And then I sit there for like 30 minutes trying to figure out what I'm going to do. But for my TikToks, I'll usually know what I'm already doing just because when I I scroll endlessly on TikTok now. (laughs) So um, if I find a sound, I'll save it. And then I'll actually write down what I want to do with it on an Excel sheet. But um, I don't plan it for each look. I just like throw out an idea with with the song and then do it for whatever's the next thing look that I'm going to do. Wow. You're so good. You're so good. (laughs) Usually I have to think about it prior. Otherwise, I'm just staring in the mirror, testing things out, trial and error. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that doesn't look good. Oh, this doesn't work. But I think that's a good idea to kind of plan it. And I wanted to ask you too, because your reels or your TikToks are hilarious. Thanks. Can you tell us your thought process with that? Yeah. So like I said, I am scrolling endlessly through TikTok. So if I like a sound, even if I don't know what I'm going to do with it, I'll just save it. And then I've been building up this giant library of sounds and I lose track of it sometimes. So what I'll do is if I know what exactly I'm going to do right when I hear that sound, I'll immediately go to my Excel sheet, write down the idea I wanted to do, the name of the sound, and the artist. Because if you have all that info, you could easily look that up in the search bar and they'll find that sound. So um, you'd be fucked if you didn't have the artist name because they're like a lot of them say original sound. 
And you're Mm going to just come up with like a ton of sounds that isn't the one that you want. So um, after I do that, I have to also think about my characters. So my, like, I would say my most popular one right now is like the rave baby character. Just yes, because. Yes, I love that one. Yeah, I honestly, I I just did that on accident just because like I was trying to think of like, oh, how can I differentiate different kinds of characters? And like my rave baby, I was like, I have, I'm wearing this rave mihente kimono. I think I'm just going to wrap my head around it and like just just be my head so I could look small. So that one was just created on accident and for fun. And then it's sort of just like everyone on TikTok loves the rave baby. So I keep, I keep sort of doing that, but like now it's sort of shifted to just like rave parent um, stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's constantly just evolving. I don't, I don't have anything else that I do when it comes to TikTok for planning. I just go with the flow. And then sometimes I'll even make up some new stuff while I'm filming the ones that I've planned. So Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of my drafts that I haven't posted at all, just because I'm also really lazy. I don't want to edit any of them. You sound too familiar. You sound like yep. me. That yep. I do the same exact thing. Well, I'll I'll have a whole bunch saved in drafts, and then I don't post them until like five weeks later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since like um, I know on TikTok most people like the ones where you have the closed captions on it. So those are usually a pain in the butt. But I figured out from a tip from another creator that. You could just use the, what's it called? The mic option and just talk out the caption that you wanted to put instead of typing it all out. So that's been really helpful, but it's still a pain to do. <laughs> right. Well, no, that's a good idea though. It makes, it cuts like your work in half pretty much. Mm-hmm. So in terms of your humor, it's, it's like right up my alley because I love that type of humor. The one that you recently made about going to a porter potty in a jumpsuit. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> she read my mind. This is so me because it is a giant challenge and fiasco. People don't see it, but you're having it. And I was kind of wondering uh, what shows do you watch? What, like, where do you get your, or what makes you laugh? Because I'm really interested to hear because not a lot of people really have that type of humor. Well, a lot of people do, but I feel like whenever I run into somebody who has that, I'm always excited because I feel like we can kind of connect on that level if we like the same things. Yeah, actually, I I don't really watch anything to get that inspo. My friends and I are just really dumb together. <laughs> we do some dumb shit sometimes. And like the things we say, like I'll remember it. And I've been coming up with another TikTok video of like shit my friends and I say that are just so dumb. And where that's where like sometimes I get some of my content. It's just me trying to, to describe to my friends like, during an altered state of mind like (laughs) trying to describe that moment I'm like wow this makes absolutely no sense and then my friends trying to tell me what I was trying to say I was like wow what was I thinking (laughs) I love that now I feel like I can be friends with you if you if that's just how you are (laughs) I mean you're great anyways but just just realizing that your reels are actually you that's so awesome yeah, I I try to be as real as I can. Like I I know that my like my husband tells me I'm really funny, but I'm just like that's my husband. He's just supposed to say I'm funny cuz like we're married, but like after I started posting those reels, I was like, wow, people think I'm actually funny. So now I sort of believe that, but you know, I just can't let it get to my head. <laughs> I don't think that you're really letting it get to your head. I think you're just getting confirmation from someone else 
mm-hmm. and actually believing, you know, when like growing up, your parents will say one thing and then you don't really believe them until you hear it from a friend or a friend's parent. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, yeah. oh, okay, they're right. Yeah, that's so true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, no, please keep creating these reels. They're, they're hilarious. And I, I feel like it makes people like get to know you a lot better and who you are. And I love them. I absolutely love them. Oh, thank you. I'm glad people like them just because I, I don't know who I was talking to, but um, I was starting to realize like, I don't really post a lot about myself, my personal life on my social media at all. It's just like pictures of me going to festivals. So I think like the reels has been a really great way to show a different side of me and have people get to know me. Right. 100%. I definitely believe that. And I think it's okay to be private, to not really talk so much about your private life, but having people see this, I think is like another portal into who you are for sure. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) What's your first festival this year? Do you have anything planned? Um, I was supposed to go to Imagine, but my, it's just financially too hard for us right now because if, if EDC gets moved to October, it's like back-to-back festivals. I don't think I'm ready for that just yet. So, I mean, hopefully EDC, but who knows? I'm not hoping for anything right now. When do you think it's going to happen, EDC? Um, I really hope October. I really hope, but you never know. I mean, they said last year that we were only going to be in quarantine for two weeks and it's been like a year. So um, I think realistically, maybe next year, because you never know, like even though the vaccine's going to be available to everyone starting, oh, the first actually, um, I mean, you don't, you don't know who won't get the vaccine. That's the part that worries me that will possibly slow down opening, completely opening. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I f- I feel the exact opposite. I feel like it's going to happen after after th- like researching what's been going on in the news, mm-hmm. seeing how much busier Las Vegas has gotten uh, in terms of traffic. Going to work used to only take me fifteen minutes during the pandy during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now it takes. Uh, twice the amount of time it feels like how it did before COVID and the strip um, Justin and I actually recently ate on the strip and traffic there was nuts and I I have a feeling there's a really good chance of it actually happening especially with how fast these vaccinations are rolling out but I think you're right too there are going to be those people that don't take the vaccine that don't believe in it still or you know don't do the guidelines that we're supposed to do like social distancing masks whatever Mm -hmm. but anything's possible but who knows I feel like we're just kind of going in a different route compared to previous months yeah I think that's true so I think for me I'm just being cautious I don't want to hope for anything right now (laughs) you know that's smart as well. I used to always hope for or expect the worst. So that way I wouldn't be disappointed if I was correct. But at the same time, I feel like it's been a whole year. Like we need to, we need something. And I feel like we all know what to do by now. You know, Mm -hmm. this is a new, we know what to do, but if it does happen in May, would you consider going or is that something that you're wanting to be cautious about as well? No, I can't go in May because I'm going to be in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, actually. Um, so we're leaving for Hawaii May 13th and then coming back May 19th. So it's literally we come back in time if EDC happens, but there's no way I'm going to go to Vegas right after Hawaii. That's way too crazy. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be a lot, especially with booking a hotel or Airbnb or mm-hmm. flight prices. And I say that because the flight prices are also going up. Like all of these prices are going up. So that's why I'm like, okay, I feel like we're leaning in the direction of opening. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, you're, you live in Vegas also, so I guess you see more of it and it's like a more of a possibility to you. I like here in California or here in California, the Bay area, it's like, we're a lot slower to open. So I just don't see a lot of things opening soon for us at least. Right. I feel like usually Nevada follows whatever California is doing in terms of legislation. But lately I feel like people in California, like people that live there are like, fuck this. Like only because it's so, I feel like it's over there. It's so different compared to here or even other States. It's just very, very cautious, overly cautious um, to the point where, I feel like people that own small businesses, mom and pop shops are like, we need to work. Like it's been too long, Mm -hmm. but also in terms of like, I think you guys just recently were able to um, like start eating out like restaurants were able to, or I think you guys are doing indoor capacity now too. I don't know Mm -hmm. all these things that we were doing months ahead. I was like, that's crazy. Talk to me. I know we were going on the whole back and forth, open, close, open, close. And I was like, please, dear God, can we just stay closed and then slowly reopen, not go back and forth? Because mm-hmm. it was it was just way too much. And like once people like got the taste of stuff reopening back in, I think, September, October, like they're like, we don't want to lose this anymore. Why are you shutting us down again? But that was during like a time where, the numbers were spiking up really bad. So I guess I could see why, but it was still, still slow over here, but we're powering through it. Yeah. I think at this point that they're like Newsom doesn't want to take any more shit and is like, all right, got to get the approval rating back up. And I mean, I, I understand, but I've, seen so many people here like especially when I get my nails done these girls from California like oh I'm just here to get my nails done and I'm like this is crazy but I don't know like lineups are dropping dates Mm -hmm. are being announced so that makes me pretty hopeful um you know unless the South African strain comes out and bites us in the ass I I don't need that right now (laughs) I don't think any of us do yeah Wait, so, okay, I, you're, you're vaccinated too, right? Or do, don't yeah, you work in healthcare? Okay. Yeah, so cool. I work with kids with autism, so it's technically healthcare. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is awesome. Our, well, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but I, do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Because I, I find that so interesting and awesome, but if this is something you want to keep private, you don't have to share. Oh no, it's okay. I'm more than happy to. I'm just, I I just keep the company I work for private, of course, because I just don't want anyone sharing random info about me, but they already know that I rave. So it's not that big of a deal, but I got into my field on accident. Actually, my rave, like one of my rave family members, he was a behavior interventionist that was working with kids with autism. And then I was having such a hard time finding a job after college. I was like, I'm just going to try something different instead of trying to like work in an office and be an admin or something. So I started working with kids doing like at home therapy. And I really enjoy it because I get to be a kid by my, like, all the time now and I just get to act goofy and like all the crazy comes out sometimes because the kids just love that part of me where they get to play with me so yeah I think ever since 2013 I've been doing this and then I just got promoted to be a BCBA now because I passed my big test I've like actually failed three times that hadn't shared that until I passed. So I was pretty proud of that. So what is a BC, what is it? BCBA? Yeah. So it's board, board certified behavior analyst. Wow. Congratulations. That's so cool. 
Thanks. I know it's been a long road and I'm so happy to finally pass that test and then not have to worry about money for the rest of my life. Is this, so what you went to college for, is it totally unrelated to what you're doing now? Um, in a way, this is a really big stretch, but I was, so I was, um, majoring in anthropology in college, totally random. I wanted to be like bones, but I discovered I did not like human anatomy and could not <laughs> memorize every single part of the bone, like every little crevice. Do you have to study that for nursing? You're a nurse, right? Yeah, girl, it's all biology. It's biology, some chemistry, but you have to take a lot of biology classes. And I know what you mean, because that was like uh, anatomy and physiology where you have mm -hmm. to identify like, like you said, like little crevices stuff in a slide on a microscope and you only have like 10 seconds to answer yeah. it during lab, pretty strict stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I can't, I can't do this shit for the rest of my life. I like can't memorize all of this. So I emphasized in social anthropology, which is I more studied culture, talked to people, interviewed people. So I guess that's where I like got my more open side because I got to actually just talk to people, get to know them. And it taught me really how to be unbiased with a lot of stuff because I feel like back then I was really judgmental and I was like, just looked down on people, but now just like see things with an open view. I'm just like, oh, okay. And then I just move on because it really shouldn't affect as long as they're not hurting me, then it's fine. Like you could think whatever you want to think. So that's that. So the social part of my major is what I feel like is related to my job, I guess, because I'm like dealing with people. Right. I feel like you still integrate your degree into, into work for sure. So you say that you work with kids with autism. Are you teaching them or are you just helping them with social skills or what, what is it exactly if you don't yeah mind. yeah of course so we well right now I am since I got promoted to BCBA I I just supervise the therapists that work with the kids so I'm not actually working with them directly anymore but what they do is pretty much if they have like as like speech deficit or social, like any of those, then we try to make behavior plans to help them with the, with like the deficits that they have. So if like, for example, they have a hard time communicating with their peers and instead of talking to them, they hit them, for example, or yell at them. It's just their way of communicating. And so now we have to teach them an appropriate way of communicating, like actually going up, saying hi, um, asking them if um, the other kid can play with them instead of hitting them. So we're trying to teach like, we're trying to teach appropriate behaviors to replace those like unwanted behaviors. I, I don't like saying unwanted, but or inappropriate, appropriate. But um, yeah, just like so they could fit in better with society, with society. Would you say that this, that your job can be challenging or do you have any experience working with a challenging patient or a violent patient? Because I imagine that violence, not that it, it always happens, but I feel like it it's definitely a situation. I only say this because I know somebody who um, essentially did the same thing and had had that happen to her and it was really unfortunate, but it's not, It. I don't want to say it was the kid's fault or her fault. It's just like you said, that was their ways of communicating, but also th there was like some type of trigger involved and that's why XYZ happened. But I, I feel like that job could be so... Uh, challenging and stressful. And I feel like a lot of people may not see that. It is. It's super. So 
from my perspective, from my position, it's not stressful because I'm not working with the kids directly. When you are the therapist, it's super stressful because you have to see them every day. You're the one getting beat up if that kid is aggressive. I've had I've had aggressive kids before and I honestly didn't really mind because I I personally knew that they weren't attacking me just because they hated me or like something like that. It's just, they're trying to get across something, but they can't. So I think it just takes like the right person to do the job, but there is a very high burnout rate in our field. So like, for example, and like a lot of people go into the field and want like eight hour days which is like nor like common for like if you're working in office, but if you're on our job, eight hours working with kids is stressful. Like I didn't realize that when I got into my company and then I was working eight hour days and it was tiring. Like I had a kid, most of my, most of the kids that I've worked with are a lower functioning. They didn't really talk. Um, no eye contact. So it was just a lot of talking to myself. So that can sometimes be challenging because I'd be doing three hours of trying to engage with them, but then they wouldn't reciprocate back. So I would say there's, there's more than aggression that's challenging. It's trying to get the kid to interact with you is probably the most challenging sometimes. So you mentioned that a lot of them or some of them were low functioning and you wouldn't necessarily get a response back. How would you know exactly if you've made any progress or if they've absorbed what you were going over? Yeah. So we, we do have things that we teach them. Like we, like the most common one is like going to the table and then cards with pictures and then having them identify it. So if they're able to like sit down and then like, for example, give me the picture of the bed and they give it to me, then they're at least like listening to you and they know what they're expected to do. So um, yeah, I would say like, just like the things that we teach them, a lot of them retain it as long as like it's consistent practice. But if it's just like a free, like free time, we just have we play together. That's a little bit more challenging because they have their own ways of playing sometimes. And I had a kid that would just lay down on the ground and not do anything. So that, Mm -hmm. that really forced me to try to be more creative. So like I would do some really weird stuff. Like um, I had, what's it called? I would like have these toy fruit and then I would just try to roll them towards him. And then I would um, make pretend bowling pins out of like blocks and then like try to roll them because that kid also liked um, seeing stuff spin. So that was, you just have to really know their little quirks and what they like so that you could try to get them to engage with you. That is so cool. I feel like this goes so much deeper than what you describe it as getting all these like experience like hearing your experiences and hearing like how you have to do more than just speak and you have to like play with them I feel like that's so interesting have you seen that show on Netflix it's called love on the spectrum I have I watched it with my husband (laughs) Justin and I love that show we absolutely love that show and that's what made us realize it, it, it's probably more challenging to work with kids because they also can't express themselves as well compared to adults. But after seeing that show, like we both felt really inspired and appreciate people that who, who work with kids with autism, people with autism a lot more just because there's so much effort and patience and time that goes into that. Yeah, I, I agree. That show, I, I, so my friend, he's still in the field also. We actually talked about that show and he brought up the interesting point that it sort of made him feel uncomfortable just because that 
there are just moments where you're like, uh, oh no, like, um, why is the, why, why are they saying that? But then it's like, you don't want to think that way because that's just how they are. So it's like, right. so I have, I really like that show at first, but then when he brought that up, I was like, oh, I wonder if I should like that show <laughs> from like our field, like our perspective, but I don't know. Everyone has different thoughts about it. Do you say that because you feel like it's not depicted correctly or would you say it's just they're making money off of people who have autism or is it something that you just don't agree with? No, well, cause I like that show, but then, um, it's like when they were trying to like have their first dates, I was like, oh no, this is a little cringy. But then I was like, oh no, is this like how I should not be responding? <laughs> but I don't know. Cause like, it's really cute in a way, but then other times it's like, oh, oh no, what are they doing? Oh, I see. I- I'm guessing from your standpoint, you see maybe there was like a different way that they could have been introduced. Maybe not so much on a first date. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, working with adults is so different, just because it's harder to change adults. So whatever they're thinking, they're usually stuck on their ways, like even for us. So that's why um, a lot of these companies recommend intervention when you're a kid, because it's easier to change like, um, certain behaviors when you're younger than when you're an adult. hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's why a lot of the couples didn't work out on that show. (laughs) But they were so cute. I really liked them. They were, it was like really nice to see that like um, they wanted to actually find love because I feel like a lot of the adults I meet, they're fine with just being by themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, for those that don't know, Love on the Spectrum on Netflix, I just was talking about it. People might not know what that is. It's basically this reality TV show where adults with autism basically go go on these speed dates almost. And it's really interesting to see because you, I felt like I learned a lot about autism and like the thought process and all these things. But it's it's definitely a a show that's interesting and has like Steph said some of those moments of tension or I feel like I'm about to get embarrassed sometimes when I watch the show mm-hmm. but I feel like that's kind of what makes it a good show too. Don't cancel me, people, for saying that. But I <laughs> I like the show. I personally really really like the show and I feel like it brought more awareness uh, to that community as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, um, what, what, <laughs> switching gears, uh, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Um, oh God, I, okay. So first I really like dubstep. I really liked excision, Datsik, not anymore. Um, <laughs> I still like his music. Yeah. I like his older stuff. Definitely. I haven't listened to right. any of the new stuff just because I'm not into that genre anymore. But um, so first was dubstep and then I got really into trance. Like literally you would see me at Ruby Sky and SF all the time for a trance show. And after trance, I still like trance, but then I gradually moved towards House of Ten. feel like with everyone else that we know, <laughs> it's just the natural progression. I feel like once, once you get older, you like techno. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess, well, I guess everybody's different. I still love dubstep, but I do find myself listening to a lot of Rufus, Rufus to Soul. Justin and I are kind of obsessed and they're not dubstep at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just want to chill and something, You sometimes I feel like not everyone likes dubstep and I'll have to play something a little more tame, a little milder, <laughs> something that more people will like and so that's usually our our go-to but I mean I don't mind those genres it's just not my like number one I guess yeah I forgot you were into dubstep um I don't I only have one friend that's really into dubstep but um 
I know my other friends are like into the sad boy genre, Elenium. Um, Is that what they call it? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I, I just say the sad boy genre because it's like literally all about someone being broken up with, missing your ex, just all that sad stuff. I'm like, I just need something that I can groove to or be happy with. I don't need to be thinking about any of my exes right now. Right. Do you like Seven Lions? I do. And you know, that's, that's the hard part. Cause a lot of his music like um, is sort of like breaking up with your ex and missing the love of your life. Like strangers, that's definitely like an ex song, but a lot of people use it for, to express their love for their significant other. It's really funny. I think it's that. And I think it's also therapy for them mm-hmm. too. For sure. Yeah. So I, I love Seven Lions though. Definitely hands down one of my favorite artists. Hell yeah. I don't think he's released or I don't think he's on any, no, I think he's at, I want to say he's at Ubby Dubby. I could be wrong. I'm not, I don't remember seeing his name a lot on any lineups and usually he's on a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's in Ubby Dubby. I'm not sure though. I haven't looked at that lineup just because I'm not going. <laughs> You're probably smart in saving yourself some torture and sadness. I tend to look at almost all of them and just really feel out what the festival will be like and then kind of go from there and see where else whatever artist that I want to see is going to be at. But no, that's probably a good thing that you don't look. I mean, I like before COVID, I definitely would look at every lineup and be like, I really want to go to this, but I really can't afford it. But um Right now, we're just waiting for EDC. We're just waiting for EDC or a festival to happen safely. And then I'll feel more comfortable just planning things because I don't want to buy tickets to something and then it gets moved. (laughs) Right. That's kind of how I feel as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you go to um, any drive-in raves? I have. So they... They were happening at the Alameda County Fairgrounds, but that's turned into a COVID um, vaccination site now. But oh, boo! <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, yeah, we would we went there maybe like two, three times. I saw Adventure Club. That was really fun. It was friggin' cold though, like thirty degrees. I don't know for all the East Coasters laughing at me. Thirty degrees is not cold for you. <laughs> Yeah, um, they're like, okay, it's like our summer. Yeah. <laughs> um, who else did I see? I saw Boombox Cartel. I didn't, I've never s- listened to Boombox Cartel. So when I first went to the show, I was like, oh, this is different. This is not what I'm used to. But I just wanted to go out to get out of the apartment. Yeah, no, I feel that. Would you say that? That's something that if like driving raves were to continue happening, would you go back? I haven't been to a driving rave at all. So I don't even really know what it's like. I kind of go off of everyone's experience. Um, right now, because I'm vaccinated, hell yeah, I'd go back. I, I'd go to anything right now at this point. <laughs> but um, we, we've been also having other events in San Francisco. Um, they're not drive-ins though. They're Um, like sort of like outdoor dining-ish where you have your own designated table with your group of friends for max and then um, the stage is at the very front so that's what I've been going to lately because there haven't been any drive-ins in the bay area right now oh okay well at least you got to go to something yeah, so I have some music stuff, but it's not it's not the same. Th- that's what I've heard is that it's not the same, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. Have you gone to anything? No, I've spent more time traveling, if anything. Uh, basically, we went to we went to Florida twice, and we went to Joshua Tree in California, and that's really about it. We didn't. I didn't really. Well, I didn't really want to go to drive-in rave. I mean, if I had the opportunity to go and, sorry, Tuco, our cat is trying <laughs> to interfere with the setup. Oh, that's okay. 
Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I wanted to take this opportunity to to kind of get away and travel more instead of going to a drive-in rave just because, well, A, like the prices were way, way cheaper for travel and Airbnb bookings. Like I haven't seen it that low and I'm like an avid Airbnb user. So I was like, I'm gonna take advantage of this, but also we just wanted to relax. And I think that's something that kind of happened over the pandemic is that I don't really want to party anymore. I'd rather just chill, go on vacation, lay down. It could be also because I sometimes I get a little burned out from work. So that could be it. But um, no, I haven't really been to any music event. So that's why I'm pretty stoked that festivals are coming back. And it's going to be interesting because I feel like it'll almost feel like the first time when you go like going to a festival, like those like really like in shock, like tingly feeling, like kind of in denial almost. And then you like take it all in after like an hour of being there. I don't know. I'm just really ecstatic for live events to start coming back that are not drive-ins. Yeah, same here. My friends and I were talking about like everyone's first festival back. They'll either be lying on their ground because they're so tired and can't walk anymore or really fucked up because they've just been like have some pent up energy so could go either way I'll probably be the one sitting on the ground I'm always sitting on the ground well like towards the end I'm usually always on the ground because I (laughs) beat her on a sit and I usually like to chat around with everyone that's sitting down to like a dork and I don't know I'm just so excited for all of that I miss those moments. I, I remember just like at the NOS, I'd be sitting like on the cement and then just be talking to someone by the lake. And this would be my, oh my favorite God. moments, right? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that those are the best. And I, I, I miss trading like Instagram handles or like screenshotting it and then adding them later when I get signal, like just little stuff like that. I'm just like, Oh my God, this can't come any sooner. Like I, it needs to happen. And I don't know, I'm hoping to like with things going back to like normal that hopefully all this weird shit will start happening. Like, I don't know, like like no more attacking Asian people. I'm just like, hopefully with everything opening, this will decrease like the amount of like crimes and cases and murders and all that stuff. So we'll right. see what happens. I know we need an outlet to just have fun and let loose. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, speaking of, do you mind sharing some of the best candies ever that you've received? Uh, well, you only told me to bring one, so I brought one. That's and, fine. And it's not intricate at all, but it's my favorite because there's a really funny story to it. So it says, where's Fred? And so, um, let's see, EDC 2000. Wait. I'm sorry, can you bring it back up? I just, I saw there's like two layers. Yeah, where's Fred? Do you see it? Yeah, I see. I just wanted to look at how it was made. Oh. It's like a, it looks like they took an extra piece and. So they, he, I think, okay. So it was pretty much just a single and then he just took another string and then just looped it around the other side. It's nothing crazy. Yeah. I like it. I, sorry. I just like, like looking at how people make their candies. That's really cool. Yeah, no problem. So um, EDC 2013, um, a bunch of us decided to enhance our experience one day. And (laughs) I was, my friends and I were like in the middle of a crowd. I don't know which set it was, Um, but a light up balloon just floated from the sky and into my hands. And I was like, this is my best friend. His name is Fred. I'm going to bring Fred wherever we go. And literally I had him, I had him the entire night of EDC. And then during the closing set, I was like, okay, Fred, it's time to go. You're free. And then I just threw it up in the air. And then I guess, I guess like 20 minutes later, I looked at my friend. I was like, 
hey, where's Fred? And then he's like, don't you remember? You let him free. I was like, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, th- I don't know which festival I got this at, but the next festival we went to, he gave me this candy that says, where's Fred? Because we literally couldn't stop laughing at that moment. I love that. See, I love little candies like that with those little memories because it's, it's just so special and you kind of encapsulated that or he kind of encapsulated that in that little candy and sorry, it's so tacky, but I love it. I know it's, it's great. I, that's why I like to keep a lot of my candy because they each come with a special memory, but I have such cool candy, but I don't remember where, who gave it to me. So that's, that's a really unfortunate part about some of them, but Right. But I think there's always going to be a couple of pieces where you know what year it was, which festival, what that person looked like, because I have a couple of those I just won't give away. Like I keep them at home in this little safe pile. And I can just always recall like who, who it was, what happened, what scenario it was. And that's what makes it so awesome. Right. I know. That's why I love candy so much. And it'll always have a special place in my heart. Me too. I really think that we're going to have a lot of candy kids come out of this. And I think a lot of people will be wearing candy at whatever festivals are going to be happening. I hope so. I'm going to have to get a bigger bag so I can fit all my candy in. (laughs) Yes. And before we go, um, we do have a raver advice submission. So let me go ahead and pull that up. Uh, basically, raver advice for those that don't know. Basically, it's this really cool segment where guests and I, in this case, Steph and I, will be answering your submissions, your questions, concerns, dilemmas on anything rave related or not. And I think it's just super fun. But we do have a submission from Yoda Plurway, aka Stina. She asks, "What benefits to having a totem?" What, or what are the benefits to having a totem? And do you really need a totem with groups? Uh, do you want to go first or should I? You can go first. Okay. Uh, I think the benefit of having a totem is just being able to find your friends. Like, I think that's the only benefit to having it. I don't really care for totems personally. I've never had a tote well I've had a totem with my group it was a flag but it was really annoying to carry around because no one would share the burden with me <laughs> yeah I have a I made a joke about this like basically with a totem you're just fighting with someone to carry it the whole time like the only <laughs> benefit like you said is really just holding it having people know where you are but I've seen a lot of creative totems too so yeah, there are some really crazy ones that like, um, they're like 3D and then have the lasers inside. I'm like, how did you do that? That's nuts. But way too much time. I don't want to hold it. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's great if you roll in real deep with a big group. And I think that's super beneficial because sometimes you can't, you can't just go off of their glow sticks like 10 Mm -hmm. feet in front of you like you could easily get lost during that transition where artists um change and people are everywhere but I think that that's the biggest benefit in addition to if you really like to create and get wild and really show your creative side or if you want to promote something then I think that's another benefit um otherwise if you're going to be in a group of like two or three people for, I don't think you necessarily need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I actually have a friend that likes to hold totems because he likes <laughs> to dance with it. So I guess that's a benefit. If you like, if you want to dance with the pole, you can. Right. Maybe you can use it as a walking stick as well. If you need that support. <laughs> oh my God, the struggle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're, I think they're a good idea. I feel like it makes a, the crowd look really cool too because you'll see like all these Rick and Morty or Adventure Time totems and or or I feel like it's a really cool way to connect as well because I remember seeing this guy at EDC with a with um, a Stark flag from Game of Thrones and 
I was like, winter is coming. And it was just, it's a cool way to relate to other ravers too. So I don't know. I think they're fun. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna regret saying this, but I miss like having to tell the person in front of me to move their totem so I could see the stage. (laughs) But yeah, but honestly, I, I don't even care about seeing the stage anymore. The totems are still fun. Yeah, for me, it's, it's as long as I can hear. If I can hear the music, it's cool. But if I, yeah, seeing, I'm just like, am I really going to, I can't even see. I'm like practically blind, so it doesn't <laughs> even help. Yeah, I have really bad vision, but oh, no. yeah, as long as I could see. But anyway, Steph, um, drop where everyone can find you, all your handles. Yeah, so I think all my handles are the same. It For Instagram, it's at... Um, two underscores a lot of people get this wrong two underscores z-o-m-g steph and then for tiktok it's just z-o-m-g steph sweet heck yes i'll definitely link that down below so people can find you but steph thank you so much for being on best candy ever thanks for having me we'll see you guys next time candy crew bye (laughs) 